once I did start to think of it that way, a whole new world opened Mm. up for me. I I was like, oh, I'm a woman entrepreneur. Like there are all these amazing women Mm. entrepreneurial groups and other women that are doing this amazing work. And that's also been a really lovely part of making that transition is realizing like there's so many amazing people that are on this entrepreneurial path and they may not be leadership development consultants, but we're actually all going through the same challenges. This is Show Your Business Who's Boss. Listen in on behind the scenes, unfiltered conversations with my favorite business owner friends who take charge and make their businesses work for them. Don't just be your own boss, show your business who's boss. I'm Pia Silva. Today, I'm chatting with a client who I've had the pleasure of coaching on and off for over a year now and have excitedly watched her step into being the badass boss of her business, Amanda Silver. Amanda is a leadership consultant, coach, and trainer for social change leaders and organizations, and she is passionate about creating thriving teams and cultures that get things done. In this conversation, we covered topics such as when Amanda finally decided to shift away from a service that made her the most money to the service she really wanted to offer, and ultimately how she made more money doing it. Amanda's evolution from being at the mercy of referrals to getting in the driver's seat where she now confidently knows there is always a steady flow of clients headed her way. And how Amanda finally embraced a boss mindset with a long-term view of her business and finances, one that celebrates and for the first time even welcomes lulls between clients because she knows she needs that time to support her business growth. Amanda has embraced the badass brand and business philosophy with gusto, and it really has shown up on her bottom line and how she enjoys her life. So I think if you're not convinced yet, this episode will be the wake-up call that you need to start showing your business who's boss. So buckle up. Here we go. Hi, Amanda. Welcome to the show. Hi, Pia. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, so happy to have you here. You're glowing from your summer, your summer away. You said you were camping? Yeah, we had a great week in Maine camping. It was wonderful. I'm so glad to hear it. You deserve it. I know you've been working really hard these last few months. And I have been excited to have you on this show. And and I want to hear some of your experiences in the last couple of years. I've known you for a couple of years, but We've been kind of working together on and off for almost like a year and a half. Yeah. And, and the transformation I have seen you make is amazing. So I'm very excited for where you are continuing to ascend to. You've been a successful consultant for how long? How long have you been doing this? It's been uh, 10 years that I'm consulting on my own with my business. And you have quite a reputation in your field and you were getting paid really well when we first started working together like a year and a half ago. So what made you want to start working with me? (laughs) Yeah, there were a couple of things that drew me to wanting to work with you. And I think first I saw your, I read your book, I did your online course, the first one that you had, but I was drawn to your writing and the way you talked about entrepreneurship as an opportunity to have more freedom in your life. And I was feeling like 
I, I mean, yes, I've been doing well in my business for about six years or so, but I was also stressed all the time and very, very anxious about where money was coming from and never knew where my next client was going to come from and had no plan or structure for how to actually get on top of that. So I was really drawn to your writing about freedom in your entrepreneurship. And it made me really question for myself, like, I don't feel very free. Like, I love what I'm doing, <laughs> but I'm often anxious around this. And so, so that was, that was one of the key pieces. I was also really drawn to figuring out how and if I could package my work because I had, I was doing a lot of things for a lot of different people in my work as a leadership development consultant. And I was very, I remember reading about packaging and and the way that you presented branding as a four-step process and like looking at the different ways that you could hone in on what your brand was. And I felt like, yes, this is like a method. And it's mm-hmm. it's something that I can really focus on and it feels very doable. So that was that was the but I would say the initial draw really was the the piece around having more freedom. For me, it was, there was a financial freedom piece because yes, I wanted to grow my business and build my rates and expand them. But there was also a mental freedom piece that I was drawn to in the approach that you offered. Interesting. Well, tell me a little bit about what you used to, I mean, you've been doing this for 10 years. I, by now I know, like people know who you are how did you, you got business that whole time and you're not cheap. So, (laughs) so, I mean, you weren't cheap then and you're, and you're much less cheap now. So, so why did you feel like, what did you do to get clients? Why did you feel like you never knew where your next client was coming from? Because you must have been getting clients that whole time. Yeah. So I was getting clients that whole time, but it was, it was all word of mouth. Mm -hmm. And, and so I never felt like I could say no to a client because I really just did not know if it it was just kind of random. Like I, I mean, not, it's not random. I did good work. Mm -hmm. And so people referred me to other people and that's how I started Mm -hmm. to build my, my base over time. But there was no there was no pathway for people to find me really. And I, I didn't have a system or a structure to actually bring people. So I had this orientation towards my work that was, here I am, here's what I do. And I, I have to say yes to whoever actually reaches out to me. Now, fortunately, a lot of people I was very excited to say yes to, but case in point, I think around the time that I was looking that I found you and your work, I also was realizing a good portion, I would say probably about 50% of my work for a good amount of time. Like the first five years of my practice was focused on strategic planning. And I had this epiphany as I was um, beginning to think more and more about what it meant to be an entrepreneur and to do the things that I really loved and only do those things and continue to refine my offerings so that I was really focused on that. I had this epiphany that I actually did not like strategic planning. Hmm. <laughs> it actually, I was, I was, 
in a client's retreat that I was facilitating. It was going very well. We were on day two and I had just given directions to everybody in the room to do an exercise. And as I was sitting there watching them all do the exercise, I thought the thought that I had running through my head was, I'm so tired of this. <laughs> and, and then I thought, well, what, what does that mean? If I don't do strategic planning, how am I going to bring more of the stuff that I really love to do, the leadership development training work and the executive coaching work into, and the organizational change work into my orbit? And that was around the time that I um, got to know you and your material. Oh, gotcha. So, yeah. so, so really, like, I, I was filled with fear. To like, I felt like I can't not do strategic planning because it's such a big portion of my portfolio and it's what I need to do to make the most money. It makes me the most money. But as a result of going through your approach, one of the things I realized is I can start to build out what I really want and be very proactive about searching out clients that are looking for leadership development and coaching and organizational change work. And as I moved myself in that direction, I know this sounds kind of crazy, but it hadn't occurred to me that I could be proactive and draw people mm. into my orbit. I started doing strategic planning because it was something that I had done before and it seemed like it was an easy way for me to build my business. So it helped me refine and actually take steps to make my business more a reflection of what I truly loved and wanted to be doing. And that keeps shifting, which is exciting because now when I as I pay attention to what is it that I want to be doing, I actually have the tools and the mindset and the skill set to say, okay, like maybe it's time for me to reduce coaching by a certain amount so that I could increase more of this. So I keep, I keep doing that now. And it's, it's, (laughs) it's very, it's a very different way of looking at business. Like I feel very confident now that I can actually do that. And before I felt like I was just at the whim of whoever made referrals on my behalf to me. Not that I'm incredibly very, very grateful for all the referrals that I did get. But now I can actually say with confidence to somebody who wants to do strategic planning with me, no, actually, I'm not doing that anymore. But here are three people that I can recommend to you. And I don't feel guilty or afraid or anything about it. Wow. Wow. Yes, yeah. a bigger shift than I even realized. <laughs> really? Wow! No, yeah, it's no, really, it's, it's very long, it's, long time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, I mean, over the last two years, it's been so much more about looking at what I love doing and figuring out how to package it and raise my rates around it. I think the other one of the other big things working with you was. I didn't bring you on here to give me a testimonial, by the way, Amanda. No, I'm, I'm not trying to, but it's so, okay. So maybe well, one of the other big epiphanies I had, which, but it was directly you because can't. of you. Just <laughs> one of the other big epiphanies I had was that I didn't do coaching a lot because it didn't pay as much as my oh, consulting. And one day you said to me, well, let's figure out how to, make it as valuable as some of your other work. And that was, that was like a big eye opener for me. So. Wow. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack there. And I want to talk about the money stuff because you've done such a great job with that. And everyone, like everyone has 
the you know similar issues in different ways, myself included. But but I would love to know what because that's a pretty big shift going from feeling like you're at the whim of referrals and you can't say no to things to focusing and feeling confident saying no to the strategic planning stuff. What do you think happened that got you to that comfort level, to that next place? I would say a couple of things. One is that I know for myself, whenever I take a leap into what, I mean, for me, it felt like the unknown. It's not the unknown for someone else, but Mm -hmm. whenever I take big risks, what helps me is surrounding myself with badass friends and colleagues and coaches and um, like anything I could get my hands on to nurture and support me during that time. So I would say I, my friend, our friend, Julia Pimsler is a key mentor for me also, and has been a champion for me all across the way. And at this time, I specifically reached out and said, I need, like, please help me make, help me know that I'm on the right track. And she just was like, yeah, you go for it. And then reading is really helpful for me too. Like finding examples of people who have made the leap and succeeded is super helpful for me. So that's just kind of on a personal level, like I surround myself and that I do that every time I take a big risk or what feels like a really big risk in my personal life or business life or whatever. The other thing I did was I started to I started to post on social media which I can't say I have a very robust uh, right now I'm not posting at all because I took a little bit of a hiatus to 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 figure out what my strategy is, but I started, I started being proactive. So I started posting on LinkedIn and Facebook and letting people, and that was super helpful. Like people that have been in my orbit for a while, but I hadn't talked to for many years, started reaching out. I I got at least three or four people who reached out to me. It turned into business because they were like, wow, you're on fire. I see you're like always researching things and posting them. And I want to talk to you about what you're doing right now and see if you can do something for my organization. So that was very seen, just being seen by them. Totally. Just being yeah. seen on LinkedIn. LinkedIn primarily was really yeah. has been really helpful for me. I also started experimenting. I, I didn't have an email list at the, right. before then. So I started to build my email list, which was super helpful. Every time I sent out an email or send out an email to folks, I usually get one or two inquiries. Super, super helpful. And they're awesome inquiries because they're focused, like people are drawn to whatever I've written. And what I'm writing is stuff that I'm really interested in and care about. So it becomes kind of this self-selecting funnel that draws people to want to talk about the things that I'm already thinking about. So that's been huge. And then another big thing that I did, and I'm looking to gear up and start doing it again, is I hosted a webinar a free webinar. And I did a ton of outreach to everybody in my network. Every every one of my prior clients, everyone on my very small email list, all of my friends outside of Facebook and, and LinkedIn. And I, I was expecting that I would get about 30 people for this webinar. I ended up with over a hundred people registering for it and then 80 people attended. And that was also 
really, I mean, it was critical for building my list. Like overnight, I doubled my list because of all the people that signed up for the webinar. But it also forced me to like get really clear about what the content was that I wanted to be sharing with the world and putting the content out. I was very used, I am very used to it and I'm very good at delivering leadership development content. It's usually my clients that are asking me for like, we want to, we want to be here. What can you do to help us get there? And then I design it. And I have not up until that webinar, I had not actually put anything out just into the universe on my own. And it was so scary. (laughs) So I remember no, that was last May. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. you, you helped me through it. It was super helpful to be working with you during that time and in the mastermind program. And I was so freaked out about this webinar. And it was very interesting because I think it was just like pushing against a limiting belief and mindset thing about like, am I good enough to put out this on my own? Like if someone isn't hiring me to do it, why? Like, who am I to be doing it? I obviously like I have so much background and experience in this stuff. So I don't know. It's not like logical stuff that creeps up, but the, the limiting belief stuff, but it, it really like, there was something that it was, it was a um, threshold for me putting, putting the content out there, but the webinar is very successful. And it also led to a number of new clients over the following year. I I think all this stuff is planting seeds, right? Mm -hmm. So like the more that I can plant seeds proactively using my own content and being connected to what I'm really feeling passionate about, the more that gets mirrored back to me in terms of what people are um, contacting me about. So. I, I remember with their webinar, I, m- I remember specifically, I mean, you worked really hard on it. Webinars are a lot of work. <laughs> I love that you said it helped you clarify because having to put a webinar together and, and keep it clear, it's easy to talk and teach when you have a lot of stuff. It's right. hard to put a webinar together that has like some simple takeaways and is structured in a way that's engaging. And like, there's so many things about a webinar, but I remember you putting it out there and oh, maybe these people, oh, I'm going to get the 30 people. And I just, I, I feel like I remember a conversation we had in our mastermind about, no, you got to go get those 100 people. Like you got to yeah. decide I'm going to not, well, I posted it and this many people came. I mean, to me, that's a big thing for anybody listening. When you're putting something out there, I think a lot of people have this feeling like it's not in their control. Well, I posted it on social media and I sent it out to the 10 people I know and that's who signed up. No, you did the opposite. What did you say? You contacted everyone you knew and every everyone, friend. everyone. Yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, the other thing I did was I, I contact before I even advertised the webinar, I um, reached out to eight friends of mine and asked them if they would reserve that hour of time to be on the webinar. I was so petrified that I might only have like five people lined <laughs> up. So I wanted to have at least like 15 people on the webinar. Mm-hmm. So it turned out like half of them, I, I released them of their duty once, <laughs> once I got past the 30 or 40 person mark. And that that's something that I've always known to be true mm-hmm. because my, uh, my, background is in community organizing and organizing is all about not taking people's nonchalance or disinterest personally and just going after 
the next person, the next person, the next person to make sure you have your numbers for whatever you're organizing for. Ah, right. Okay. So, that so makes that was, a lot of sense because you did it pretty naturally. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it really paid off. The, the thing that really paid off was that when I started to look at who was signing up for the webinar, if I had a relationship with them and I hadn't talked to them yet already, I would send them a personal email and say, I'm so excited that you signed up for the webinar. I'm really looking forward to it. Do you do of anyone else that you think might be interested and are you part of any listservs and would you be willing to just forward this out and let folks know that you're participating? And that is actually, I remember I, I had probably about 60 people and then I did that with like five or six people and overnight it jumped to like 90 people because a couple wow. of them had posted on their own networks. Uh-huh. And I didn't even see, I couldn't even see their posts. Like it wasn't even social media. It was people posting on their listservs in their networks that they're a part of and stuff. So that was huge too. Wow. And and then, yes. And those are great. And also I don't remember exactly what the outcome of your webinar was in the immediate. Do you remember? You mean the like the, the initial ROI or getting calls or whatever versus the long-term? Yeah. So I, I would say almost immediately someone reached out and said, that was great. We want to bring you in to lead that for our alumni. And I said, and they said the same thing. We just want you to do the same thing. And I, I was like, great, because I just spent all this time developing it and it was packaged. And so she had seen me do it and I was able to, to charge a much higher rate than I had ever charged for leading a one hour workshop. Nice. So that happened immediately. And then several, there were several other client engagements. So I would say immediately after the webinar, I had about five or six leads that came out mm-hmm. of that directly. And then of those six leads, I'd say three turned into real clients. Mm-hmm. And then a number of, and, and then there were more people that reached out to me later on in the year out of the yeah. blue. I mean, that's the thing that's so interesting. It's like just folks reaching out out of the blue saying, literally this one person said, I watched your webinar five months ago. I wasn't ready then, but I'm ready now. I want to hire you as a coach. And there was no, like, I didn't have to talk her through my approach or anything. Like she was just ready. Came out of nowhere. Like I, I didn't, she didn't come out of nowhere, but I I didn't have a relationship with her. So for me, that was, that was very new and exciting. Like all of a sudden I was pulling people in to do work with them and they weren't referrals and didn't have, I didn't have prior relationships with them. Yeah. Yeah. That's so incredible. And I I wanted you to share all of this because I think a lot of people put the effort into doing something like a webinar, right? They do it up front and then whatever comes immediately, that's what they think happened. But to me, it's like, you're still going to get clients from that. Like that one webinar you did over a year ago, (laughs) you're still going to get clients from it. And oh, by the way, you could do that webinar over and over again. I feel like we had a conversation about that where you're like, so I have to make another one. I was like, why don't you just do the one? No, it's true. You did. And I want to do it again. Yeah. um, Coming up this fall. Like I'm ready. I'm ready to start to do them more regularly. So. I know that the feeling of, oh, I already did it. So now I got to tell all these people who already saw it. Here's a new thing. But it's like, I even think people who saw it 
will come. Mm-hmm. People who enjoyed it because you don't remember everything. If you liked it, you're mm-hmm. going to want to see it again, or you might see it through different eyes and you did the work. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So <laughs> no, it was great. It was a big mindset shift for me. Mm-hmm. After I got through it, I was like, oh, that was not so bad. I could do this. I could do this pretty regularly. Like it's not a big deal. I haven't done it regularly yet, but I am now very excited for the fall to be gearing up to do a lot mm-hmm. of these things. And the difference between two years ago and now is that I'm not freaked out. Like, what should I be doing? I actually have a path in place. I know mm-hmm. I have like, I have the steps I want to take and it's just a matter of actually doing it, which is right. very different than where I was two years ago. And a pretty a reliable path. These are the kinds of steps you can take. I mean, I, I feel the same way with mine. It's like with my marketing and stuff. It's like, I don't know exactly what kind of fruit these will bear, but I know if I yeah. do these things there, I will get yeah. business. It's not, yeah. a, it's not like ads where you can have a conversion rate, yeah. quite, but it's almost like that because these are very high high level clients too. I mean, a, a client is worth thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. So yeah, yeah, no, it's true. Much. And I will say the other, that's the other mindset shift. I think yeah. mentally, I wasn't convinced or totally sure that it would work. I could see like, it seems to work for Pia Silva and it seems <laughs> to work for J- Julia Pimsler and other people, but I don't think it's going to work for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if this will actually work for me. I think I was afraid. And so I had this very hard inner critic that was like, it's not going to work for you. It's not going to work for you. But there was something bigger that was like, I want to try. And I just, <laughs> every time I've tried something, it's worked, right? So that's that's helped to chip away at the, at the limiting beliefs. But I, I do like... I have, I know, I, this is actually a funny story. So my sister is in Colorado and she is also a burgeoning entrepreneur. She's a therapist and she is starting her own business right now. And she reached out to me to ask how to engage with a client and write this proposal. And I was like, look, this is what you need to do. (laughs) And I, I was like, don't you tell the client what you offer, you explain what your process is, and you let them decide if they want to go for it or not. And, and this is, and this is your price. And you can decide if you want to negotiate on that, but you tell them what your price is. And, and she was like, wow, you are really good at this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I just, cause her approach was, was the approach that I had three years Everyone. ago, right? Which, which was like, she was like, okay, they said this, I'm not sure. How do I build the proposal? And I was like, well, what works and what, like, if you were going to do the work and deliver the best value, wh- how would you design it? And she's like, oh, that's easy. I would do this, this, and this. And I was like, that's your proposal. Don't like you can tell them you heard what their outcomes are that you want. You tell them like, if you want these outcomes, this is how you're going to get there. This is the best way to do it. It's not what you're asking for, but it's the best way to get there. And she was like, okay, yeah. (laughs) I, I was listening to myself and thinking, wow, I have really like, that is not how I talked three years ago. 
So, so I, 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 so happy. (laughs) (laughs) I noticed, I noticed there's been a big change and it is partially because I've been doing these things and putting them into Mm -hmm. practice and partially, I mean, the putting it into practice actually helps build the confidence mm-hmm. so that it just becomes part of my DNA now. It's not like I'm not thinking the way I used to think anymore. But that I mean, that took a long time. Like, I, I think not that long. other people, not that long, but I mean, I felt like a long time. It's been, I know, it's I been know. two years, right? And it feels like baby steps each time. But, but how but, long were you in business before that? Yeah, I was in business yeah. for for six to eight years before I started. Like I honestly, and I know because I've read some of the stuff you've written, but I think a lot of people, a lot of other solopreneurs like myself, folks that are doing leadership development and organizational change consulting, I didn't go into business because I wanted to own my business. Like it literally took me six years to recognize that I was an entrepreneur. Like that was not a title that I identified with. I was like, I'm a leadership consultant. I'm a I'm a coach. So oh, I think most people that are solopreneurs are like that. I mean, the only reason I'm the business person around Steve. Steve yeah. isn't that either. I mean, that's really how our thing even happened. I was like, oh, I'm going to make a business around you. And uh-huh. now I'm trying to teach other people how to bring that piece into their Steve world. You're yeah. all a bunch of Steves. You've got this brilliance that you have, but you're yeah. not thinking of it like a business. I mean, I think you really just hit the nail on the head. That's I think that's what most people, because you go into it with the service. Yes. It's like, I love the service. I'm great at the service. And it's like, okay, but actually you own a business and it'll be easier if you think of it that way. (laughs) Right. Yeah, totally. I mean, once I did start to think of it that way, a whole new world opened Mm. up for me too. Like a a world of colleagues and and mentors and folks that I had not actually, I I was like, oh, I'm a woman entrepreneur. Like there are all these amazing women Mm. entrepreneurial groups and other women that are doing this amazing work. And so I, that's also been a really lovely part of making that transition is realizing like there's so many amazing people that are on this entrepreneurial path and they may not be leadership development consultants, but we're actually all going through the same challenges. So yeah, on that note, one of the things that I have watched you conquer over and over again is this idea about money. I love talking about money, as everyone knows. I love talking about money with you because you keep breaking through these barriers and then (laughs) not realizing that the one you're looking at is the same one that you just broke through. That's my experience of it anyway. I mean, like you... I know that we've had a conversation over the years a couple of times where it's kind of like, oh, but I can't charge that or they're not going to pay that. And yet I feel like you charge more than whatever that was now. Yeah, no, it's true. (laughs) It's true. So I think a big and this is something that I continue to work on and think about a lot. As you Mm -hmm. said, I feel like every time it's a big thing for me and it, it comes from my background. Also, a lot of almost. I'd say 95% of my work is with nonprofit, social change, public sector organizations. And there is a justice element to the work. And I do not want to be um, charging people in ways that is makes it uh, impossible for them to work with me, right? Mm-hmm. So um, the way that I have figured some of that out is that 
Well, let me say what I what I would say is that that mindset piece was so strong that I was actually under undercharging. I was mm-hmm. actually undercharging mm-hmm. everybody, right? Not all my clients are clients that have the same budgets, right? And so one of the things that um, thinking about money much more strategically helped me do is identify how I could how I could price myself so that A, I was attracting clients that are working in the nonprofit sector that have higher budgets, but also reserving a portion of my work to make sure that I'm still working with the clients I want to work with at the rates that they can afford. And so I have I've been working on this over time and it's been very helpful to figure out what that what that looks like for me. So do you, the, you subsidize some of it? Yeah. The corporate clients. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So <laughs> it's a great model. It, yeah. It makes it's 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 a great model and it's really helpful. And as I I mean, one of the things that I've been experimenting that I continue to experiment with is raising my rates and then just seeing what people say. Right. And yeah, what keeps happening when you do that? Sometimes people say, Oh no, I can't afford that. Mm-hmm. And, and then depending on the client, depending on the potential client, depending on how passionate I am about what the work that they're doing, I will, I will discount the work with them. Or I will say my portfolio for discounted work is full right now. Here are some other people that you could potentially work with at that rate. But a lot, I will say like 70% of the time people are paying the rates as I raise them. So I'm learning that I, <laughs> I continue to undersell my, like, I, well, I guess I have, I, I know this about myself. My default is to undersell myself. And mm-hmm. so I really push myself to go beyond what I would charge and then see what people say and um, set my rates. So it's been, it's been great. Like it's, it's been a very good exploration. And then I think the other thing that's been helpful is that I, I've learned to package my work differently too. So I'm not, and this is an ongoing thing, right? And I Mm -hmm. know your, your, your encouragement has always been to not charge by the hour. And I've Mm -hmm. slowly been pulling myself away from that. Even the way I write my proposals, I used to, I used to, time out everything. So my, mm-hmm. my proposals were itemized, mm-hmm. which by the way, was a tremendous amount of work to do mm-hmm. in advance. And I don't do that anymore. Like I, I do, wow. I, if a client that I really want to work with is requesting it, I will do it. But for the most part, I do not. And I just share like, here's what it's going to cost to do this, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you want to, co- if you want a 10 pack coaching package, it's going to cost this and it includes these things. Mm-hmm. If you want to do an organization, an organizational development assessment with your team, here are the things that are included. And this is what it costs. If you want to add stuff on, this is what that costs. Yeah. So I'm not itemizing stuff anymore. I'm giving them prices. And, and what's the feed, What's the reaction you've been getting? Same, same thing. For the most part, people are just like, okay, this is really helpful. And I would say, I would say over the last year and a half, 
that's also how I've increased my rates is because I'm offering people a package with Mm -hmm. certain things that are a part of it. And I'm explaining how it ties to the goals and the outcomes that they want. And, and they haven't questioned it. And I know I'm going to deliver because that's what I do. And so it's been a much I like my proposal. I feel like two years ago, my husband was like, you write, you spend so much time on your proposals. You're like always writing proposals. And I'm, I've cut that down probably by 75% now, just, just based on how I offer things to people, which is great. So it's both raised my rates because I'm increasing the rates as I talk about the value and everything, but it, Mm -hmm. but it also has cut down on my writing time. Like I'm not wasting time anymore writing these very intensive (laughs) drawn out proposals. And in fact, like I, I don't most, I don't do RFPs so much anymore requests for Mm -hmm. proposals for folks that don't know that language, Mm but unless I know the person and I feel like I have a very good understanding of what their budget is and what they're looking for, I don't do RFPs because I did so many of them and lost them. And it's so much work. So much work. Yeah. Yeah. Spend that time doing something else. Totally. I mean, back in 2012, we made those proposals too. And we would design like, because it's design, right. we would also design them to be kind of on brand with the oh. client. So in addition to, I mean, we really went all out with these decks. We would build these decks, like practically yeah. webinars, <laughs> pitching yeah. people, and these timelines that were visually expressed with bars and dates. And it was crazy. Yeah. And, and now I'm like, proposal, I'm not writing a proposal. Pay me. Yeah, <laughs> right. Pay me to tell you the number. And, right. and nobody flinches. Because it's a completely different approach with a different air of confidence. And like you said, you're tying it to the outcome. Okay, well, I know, like, and trust you. That's the outcome I want. And that's the number she said. In fact, I think those proposals in many ways are complicating it to the point of analysis paralysis. (laughs) I think sometimes it's too much. Well, if you gave me this whole proposal, now I got to go through it and make sure that I agree with all these things. Whereas... And there's a lot of work for somebody. Right, right. I forget. You do. I know you do lead products for your coaching clients, but you don't really do them for the corporate clients or the nonprofit clients yet. I do, yet, right? actually. I do for when I work with my, when, I, when I'm doing organizational change work, when, mm-hmm. people are, when people call me in for team building and stuff, I do have a lead product now that I start with. Often people will call me up saying they want to do retreat work. And I say, ready. well... Before, before we do the retreat, this is the first step and they're ready to pay for the second part Mm -hmm. already from the beginning. But it, like, I never used to do that and it Mm -hmm. actually makes the whole thing so much better. So that has also, that's been a big change for me too. Yeah. Yes. I remember. I mean, I, I find a lot of people getting that position too. Cause I'm like, no, do the lead product. Even if they want to pay you do the lead product. And a couple of reasons that I think it's valuable is one, if they're ready to pay you for it, they will pay you for it after you do the lead product. And there's actually something kind of nice about saying to someone, hold up, I'm not going to take all your money yet. I want to do this first. Uh, it kind of builds some trust. But the, but the, the other thing is, and this is a reason that I insist on doing it is 
only through the lead product experience can I really tell if what you're asking for is actually going to work, right? So you might actually need something bigger. And I don't want to end up delivering something to you that's not what you need because I didn't wasn't able to take the time to thoroughly understand what it is that you're actually trying to get. Completely. Yeah. And that's been that's been true for me also. It's made me Mm -hmm. a much better consultant because yeah, it has because I like for me the lead project the the lead product always includes some kind of assessment, Mm -hmm. which I didn't include like if someone said, I just want to do like our team wants to work better together and we want you to come in and do this training. And that there's like a thousand <laughs> reasons why the team may not be working together. Well, including the fact that the leader may have some real blind spots, right? So the only way for me to really get a good sense of that is to do some kind of assessment. And mm. I didn't always used to do that. And I would be blindsided when I walked in the door and did a training with someone or a group. Now yeah. I do the assessment and it makes me it makes me such a better, like I'm able to design a much better training or retreat if that's what the client's asking for. I'm also able to be really honest and say, look, this is only going to help you this far. If you, if you want to do more work, you're going to need like one of the key elements you're going to want to pay attention to is coaching or something else. And I know that's not what you asked for, but I know what you want. And I, I just, it's, it feels like, it's my responsibility to tell you what's going to help you get there. And so it also helps me. It's helped me tremendously. Like I've secured much larger contracts because of that. And it's, it's not like I'm not selling anything. I fully and firmly believe and know from my experience that what they want and what they're asking for, there's a big gap. So I'm able to speak very confidently about it. So the lead product has been huge, especially in the organizational consulting realm. It's been great. Wow, Amanda, <laughs> you are, <laughs> you. I mean, you were always confident about what you did, but you were like night and day <laughs> from when we used to talk about this stuff. That's amazing. I, yeah. I'm so, I'm so excited to see I mean, that's exactly what it's supposed to do and be, but that it's so fun to see it. In- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, really I mean, as, a, as somebody who is a coach and helps support <laughs> other people in the leadership, I know it's very rewarding. So, oh my yeah. gosh, it's amazing. Yeah. And, and the, yeah, being able to do your work better and being able to secure bigger contracts and deliver more value. I mean, that's the whole point. I think when I tell people that they're like, uh huh. <laughs> Like, it's very hard to fully understand it unless you experience it. Yeah, no, yes, 100%. Because I was there and I, I told you, my my inner critic was like, this isn't going to work. It's not yeah. going to work for you. It's not going to work. But I just have kept trying things out. And I, I have to say, like, one of the things that you've been very helpful with is the long-term view in all of this. Like, I, I think, like, one of the things that, also feeds into like, I don't know if it's a limiting belief or a limiting behavior, but like this idea that like, I have to get it right, right now. And if I don't get it right, I'm a failure and none of this works and I shouldn't do it. Right. But as I've progressed slowly, like for me, it really has been, well, you say it's not so slow, but it feels slow. It feels like like we all have comparison mind. I look at some of my sure. other colleagues in the field. I'm like, how do they get from A to Z in six months? And it's taking me two years. But 
it's I, I feel like it's okay. It's all about the long view. And probably someone else is thinking that about me. Well, but, we are. <laughs> so first is like, stop doing that. But but the other piece is just like, I think I have slowly ad- adapt- adopted this perspective. Like everything I do is an investment in where I'm going. And it's not going to happen overnight. And every every time I try a new thing, I learn a little bit more about it so that I can make another change. And the next client, I'll I'll be a little bit better for in terms of the way that I'm presenting myself and putting my proposal together and whatnot. Like none of this happened overnight. And because you've been watching Mm -hmm. me over the last couple of years, but I do know it's funny. I notice it the most. I notice the change the most when I talk to other colleagues of mine who are asking the same questions I asked three years ago. Mm. Particularly like a question that pops up for colleagues um, in the field, at least colleagues that I speak to is my my client says they want this. So I'm delivering this. But what they need is this other thing. And I don't know how to get from what I'm doing for them to what they actually need. And I have found myself saying, well, here's what I do now. I didn't Mm -hmm. always do this. And I'm, and that's not something I did three years ago. And they're like, Oh, wow, that's, that's really interesting and bold. Like that's very bold. (laughs) I said, like, there is an element of being okay with not having a client, like walking away from a client. So I, I will say, well, I don't know. I'll pause there. Did you have another well, question? Yeah, no, I want to say something about the walking away from the client and the, and I think that the, <clears throat> I think you've laid out some ingredients that help with walking away from the client. And there's lots of ingredients, but I think the key ones that I'm thinking of that you mentioned are long view mm-hmm. and going from, I have, I just, I, I'm at the mercy of the referrals versus, oh, there are proactive things I can do that I know will bring me clients. Even if they don't bring me clients that day, they will bring me clients in the near future. And if you have a long view perspective of your business and things you can do that will bring your clients, that's all you need. <laughs> you don't, you don't need anything else. Those two things equal successful business. And that allows you to not need a client in the immediate and be able to say no. And one thing I want to say to that, because I have this very distinct memory of when I, cause I made that, I made the whole freedom calculator that turned into like a whole little mini course. I made that for your mastermind. I think (laughs) I made it. We were all asking you you (laughs) over and over again. How do we, we were all freaked out about money and yes, we're all freaked out about money. And I had this, this, um, Excel sheet that I used for myself. It was a total mess when I used it because it was just for my own uses. And I was like, oh, so then I think I shared like a cleaner version with you guys. Well, I cleaned it up a lot more since then, which I think I've sent you, but I think when I had you do it again, like at the end of last year or something, you were, 
you were like, wait, I don't understand. So I just like put numbers in of how much I want to make. I was like, yeah, just put the, <laughs> you're like, this is so fun. <laughs> just <laughs> put the it's price true. and the number of, I mean, there's a, there's a, a formula to it and there's some thinking right. behind it, but essentially, yeah, you plug the numbers in and you make sure the numbers work in a bunch of different ways. And then and then the, the business plan is clear. Oh, I get four of those clients and five of those clients. And as long as I get those all year, that's it. It doesn't matter. And that, right. I don't know about you, but for me, because I use it too, that makes me say no. Okay, well, I, I still have six months to get that fifth client. So I'm not going to say yes to this one because it's not right. Totally. No, yeah. it, it's, been, it's been a big game changer for me. Huge. And I mean, case in point, like I just was going over my numbers today and realized that, I mean, because of COVID and everything, I'm not making the same amount of money that I made last year, but I'm, I, I recalculated everything with your guidance and I'm going to be fine. And I've actually hit my mark for, for me to be fine for the rest of the year which is amazing. Like it's amazing. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> and, and so I was just, and there's no reason, sorry, I'm going to interrupt you. There's no reason why you can't round this year out on top and yeah. get, and get back to that. I mean, fourth quarter for me is usually the biggest quarter just because you usually invest a lot of time in, in branding and marketing in the earlier part of yeah. the year because of goal setting and stuff. So there's no reason why you can't. And your prices are higher at the end of the year because they're always getting higher. Right. Anyway. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think so for me, actually what it's done, like right now I'm looking at the rest of the year and I have been, I mean this, cause I, I talk about, I talk about it with you all the time, but I am like, I'm so ready to like, I want to do the webinars. I want to get my systems in place so that I'm back on social media. I want to get my blog system in place. So I'm writing regularly. And I just have not had the time between COVID and some huge client engagements. So like the last, I thought I would have that done by the beginning of the summer and I didn't. And, but now I actually see that I, I don't have as heavy of a client load in the fall. And normally I would be freaking out about it, like really freaking out about mm -hmm. it. But now I'm looking at my numbers and thinking, okay, like I know I'll pull in a couple more clients, but I don't have to be super proactive about getting them right now. And I actually have some freedom to dedicate to the branding, marketing, working on your business stuff. And, but I never would have, Felt, and I actually, I feel at peace with that decision, mm -hmm. which would never have been the case a couple of years ago. Cause I was just always, I mean, I had this undercurrent of anxiety that would alleviate itself every time I picked up a new client and then come back like five days later, you know? Oh, so, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I definitely had that too for a long time. Why do you think I got here? <laughs> this yeah. is all of this work is just to alleviate that stress that I used to feel too, which yeah. is, which is so crazy because like you just said, you kind of just mapped out the, the challenge I think every entrepreneur has in their mind. And it's kind of, uh, it's like a contradiction. You are too busy to work on marketing and branding because you have clients. So you're like, oh, I haven't done all the branding and marketing because I've just been busy making with right. all this. And then the second the client stops, you're like, well, you're not anymore. But people are generally in this mindset of, oh my God, I don't have any clients. I have to go get more clients. And then they do that. 
And right. it's like, well, where's the space to do the branding and marketing that's going to bring you the clients? There, right. the, our, our, our natural brains are not set up for us to be at peace, as you're saying, and say, oh, great, here's a natural space for me to do the very thing that I need and want to do to make my business valuable for the long term. And I think that I think you really like that is the piece that I if I could shift people's mindsets anywhere, it would be there to understand that there is a there is an important necessary element of your business and life where you have to have the space with no clients and you should you got to be okay with that so you can do it properly as opposed to stressing when you have clients stressing when you don't have clients well guess what you're just always stressed if that's the case right right totally <laughs> and i have to say also cuz i think this is important having been somebody who is just recently in the in that headspace yeah. that i mean it's real anxiety about money is totally oh, yeah. real and and if you don't feel like you're going to make your budget right but i think the i did this again this was something i did slowly it's not something i did overnight mm -hmm. and i continued to take on i mean even with the strategic planning stuff like i still took on one or two more additional strategic planning clients so that i was confident that i had money coming in and at the same time i was slowly pivoting knowing that like my goal was like six to eight months down the line, a year later, my portfolio would shift so that I didn't have strategic planning in my portfolio at all. But it, it took me time because I, I did you, but that's what I really appreciate about the budget sheet is that it helps you understand like exactly how much you need to make and how you can make it and you can continue. It's not a one and done thing. You can play around with it as many times as you need to make it work for you. So that, that was, that was, it didn't happen overnight. And mm -hmm. I think it's important for people to know that, yes. but, uh, but it, but it did, but it did happen because I was mm -hmm. focused on it. And, and as it happened, I became less and less stressed about the financial piece because I was able to see what was coming in and I knew that I was going to be able to generate new clients to, to bring it. But, but yeah, it is a nerve wracking thing, especially if you've spent most of your life thinking in this other way, right. To, to like, to, to do the investment piece and know that it may not pay off immediately, but it'll pay off. Like it will pay off. And that's what I was saying, like reading the stories, hearing from people, like reading, reading success stories about people who actually did that and like so helpful for me. Super mm, helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, you make a great point. And, and I love that you did it in phases. Uh, it doesn't have to be completely overnight. I know I'm super black and white and aggressive about all of these things, but <laughs> empower people to take a leap forward. You, know? you don't yeah. have to uh, fire all your clients and, and move over here. The opposite, I mean, especially when it comes to pricing, for example, I don't tell people just stick a $10,000 price on it and then right. say no to everybody else. I actually say increase your prices but in little increments often. Right. <laughs> like right. get yourself there. So so make the moves, but just do it a lot. So you'll you'll adjust to it. And yeah, I've I've seen you do that. And one other thing I'll point out, although this is a different conversation, is just in order to to have that long-term view and to do a lot of the things you're talking about, you also have to get a little 
you have to get a little more comfortable not living on a cash basis. Yeah. Because if you live on a cash basis, then you really can't have a long-term view because if cash is going in, cash is going out, and you have to have that cash in your bank account in order to pay your bills, that's stress. I mean, yeah. that is the most stressful financial situation you can be in. You don't have to pay interest and be in debt to use credit to like manage your cash flow. And cash flow management is a big, scary term, I think, for a lot of people who don't consider themselves business owners and entrepreneurs, right? Yeah. Cash flow. Huh? No, I just get paid and pay my bills. Thank you. <laughs> right, right, right. Totally. <laughs> totally. That's the crux of it. And that is not, I mean, I lived on a cash basis for a long time. That was very stressful. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, it's, it's really true. And then I also like about a year ago, uh, maybe, yeah, I would say about a year ago, I got really interested in profit first as a model. And I know that that's something I think you recommended it to me. I had also come across it in other areas and super, super helpful. And that's now how I run my cash flow, my business. I have all my accounts now, everything. And it's, it's so huge. Like I love paying my bills now, (laughs) which is, I love paying my bills. (laughs) I never used to love paying my bills. I actually love looking at my (laughs) accounts now. It doesn't make me anxious anymore. What's going on? And you have control over it. I think the scariest part of money is when you just don't, I don't want to look at it because I don't want to see what it is. I don't understand or I don't know what's happening. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. No, it's so true. My my husband is like, what happened to you? Like, I'm like, I'm going to do my disbursements and look at my accounts today. He was like, you're so happy. (laughs) I'm going to pay my bills. But yeah, so it's funny, but that's been a big shift also. Well, thank you so much, Amanda, for being so candid and open and telling us all about your journey. You are really a a model for so many people that I see, the things that they've worked on, but you have really overcome so many of those things in such an amazing way. And I'm saying so quickly because I watch people never get through these things. Uh, to uh-huh. me, it's been very quick <laughs> because it's, these are huge, like limiting beliefs, just con- yeah, motor things that are, are pushing our motor that we don't even notice. And a lot of people don't even care to try to get moved past them. And you just went right towards them and have <laughs> been just busting through them the whole time. And it's been such a huge transition in, in in my eyes, such a short amount of time. So I'm Thank super you. impressed and, and proud of you. And we didn't even talk about all your brilliance in your consulting. So we come back and, and talk about that. But needless to say, I usually tell people, you being a badass of what you do is a given. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about all the other stuff. You are a true badass at what you do. And that's what makes all of this stuff so fun because you show up and deliver. Like, everything you do is, like, super high level and how to give people all the value. So when you put this, from my perspective, when you put this whole model around it, it really works because you're already great at what you do. <laughs> and you. and that's not the part of it. So it's super fun. It's been super fun working with you and watching your ascension. Thank you. I I so appreciate it. This has been helpful also to just give me a checkpoint to think about where, where I was and where I am now. And I really appreciate the opportunity to reflect on it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great to reflect, right? We forget. Yeah, it is. 
we just look at the things we need to work on. Exactly. We're always looking at the the next unfinished thing that's been on our list for, for three months yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So. yeah. Forget about it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Amanda. I will You're talk welcome. to you soon. Okay. Thank you. To learn more about Amanda's leadership work for organizations and individuals, go to amandasilver.com or check out the show notes at piasilva.com backslash podcast. Also, if you know other entrepreneurs who struggle to put their business in its place and could benefit from hanging out with us, please share this podcast with them. Hard work can only take you so far. It's how you show up in your business that really makes the difference. And to make sure that you don't miss an episode of Show Your Business Who's Boss, hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast player. Today, Amanda shared how she realized one day she didn't like strategic planning, but it was more lucrative than her other offers, so she didn't think she could let it go. And how, once she realized, with a little nudge from me, that we just had to figure out how to make her other offers more lucrative, she was free to build the business she really wanted. Taking inspiration from Amanda today, what is your version of strategic planning? Something that you're scared to leave behind because you think it's the best way to bring an income, or you think it's the only thing that people will hire you for. Imagine for a second if the parts of your business that you love could actually bring in more money, if only you could get creative in how you present and deliver it. Figuring out how to make it happen instead of dwelling on why it can't is what it means to get in the driver's seat and what it looks like to show your business who's boss. If you're ready to take that next step, go to badassyourbusiness.com backslash CC and grab the show your business who's boss crash course for free for now. I will walk you through how to shift your mindset to do exactly what Amanda has shared in this podcast episode. I'll see you inside.